0: All right, we're going to jump right in. This isn't a long one, um, but it's a good one. We're on finances too, and this is the Andrew Womack um, Discipleship Series that we've been doing. And as I've you know said before when I've been up here, any monkey can do it because we're just reading. As long as you can read, you can do it um, because it's super easy. And William could do it. He's a monkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to read um because that's how easy this is. All right. In the last lesson, I explained that it is God's will for you to prosper. There are keys to how this works. In Luke 6:38, it tells, "Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, men shall give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet Withal it shall be measured to you again. There are many principles involved, but you can't talk about prosperity without talking about giving. When you talk about financial prosperity, a lot of people say, All right, so God wants to prosper me, but I don't have it to give. You can see in the Bible where Jesus talked about the widow who put her last two mites in the offering. He had been watching the rich people put in huge sums of money, yet he called his disciples together and said, this woman gave more than them all. He said this because they gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her poverty. God does not evaluate the size of your gift by its monetary value, but rather by the percentage of what you had to give. When a person says, I don't have anything to give, it's not true. If nothing else, you could take a piece of clothing you have and give it away. Everyone has something to give, so do away with this argument that you don't have anything to give. As a matter of fact, the time you seem to have little of anything is when your giving can be a greater percentage than any other time. A person who has $10 and gives away five has given a much larger gift than someone who gives a million dollars when they have billions and billions left. God set it up so every single person can give. And, y'all, I'm going to tell you that we've seen that again and again within the church. We've seen people give pennies. We've seen people not have finances to give, but they bring, you know, produce from their garden. We've seen someone ask to give a chicken because that's what they had to give. And God blessed that. Because that was their heart. I want to give. I understand sowing and reaping, but all I have to give is a chicken. And they must know Christians like to eat chicken. Why did God tell us to give? There are many things involved, but one of the main purposes is that God wants you to trust him in every area of your life. If there isn't a God, and if his word isn't true... When he says, give and it shall be given to you, taking a portion of what you have and giving it away is the stupidest thing you could ever do. Instead of moving toward the goal of having all your needs met, you're actually moving away from it if God hasn't promised to bless you. It takes faith to be able to give the way God says, and that's the reason he told you to do it. In Luke 16, there's a parable about a steward who cheated his master, and it finally comes down to this. He says, if you haven't been faithful in the unrighteous mammon talking about money, then who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you haven't believed God in the smaller things concerning money, how are you going to get the more important things such as spiritual values? Scriptures like this make money one of the least levels of stewardship. If you can't trust God with your finances, how can you trust him with your eternal destiny? How can you truly believe Jesus has forgiven your sins and that you're going to spend eternity in heaven? In comparison, the spiritual things we supposedly put our faith in the Lord for are much more significant than money. Money is a minor thing, but it's the bottom line of starting to trust God. Proverbs 11.24 says, There are some that give away more than it looks like is necessary, and yet they prosper. And there are others that tend to hoard what they have, and it only causes poverty on the inside of them. If you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, then he will add these things to you. If you say you want God to help you in your finances, and you're praying for his help, but you aren't seeking first the kingdom of God, and you aren't taking a step of faith, trusting him with your finances and giving, then you aren't really trusting him. Period. And that's where he ends it. Because, you know, it's pretty point blank. It's pretty cut and dry. You're either trusting God or you're not. You know, and the problem with the world today is we're not We're not balanced with God. You know, God says start here. Start with something as small as money. But the world sees, oh, my gosh, God is wanting me to start here. He's wanting me to give my money and the balance is not accurate it's money here god here and so either we start with what he's asked which is you know what we have be it a penny be it a green pepper or a chicken or a piece of gum or a button you start with what you have and it's not that god is wanting to take away It's God is wanting to bless you. But there are spiritual laws put in place. And God follows these laws. But the great thing is, is he has worked them in a way that if you trust him, if you follow these spiritual laws, all the blessings that are about to abound you. It's a beautiful thing. So when it comes to your finances, it's either, Lord, I trust you, Or I don't. There is no gray area in between. There's no sitting on the fence. I trust you today. But I don't tomorrow. You trust him or you don't. And he's saying look. Just trust me. I've given everything I have for you. Why would I hold anything back? It's a beautiful thing. When you fully. When you just get the amount of love he has for you. And just. Everything that He has set aside for you—it's awesome. So we've got a couple of questions. We're going to start with John three sixteen, and I'll read the scripture and then I'll ask the question. Said, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life." And the question is, what motivated God to give? Love. Just a four-letter word. We can start singing. It's love. It's you. When you look in the mirror, you are the reason he chose to give. Because he loved you. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. The motivation behind our giving must be what? Love. Love. Seems to be a running theme here. James two fifteen through 16. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Question is, explain the meaning of this verse. You're not going to get away with just love. (laughs) That's right. This isn't love. So what does this verse mean? Love is an action. But they're giving them, or they're telling them, go in peace. Be warmed. Talk is cheap. That's right. Is Monopoly money? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we can tell people, "Oh, God is good. God will provide. Go trust." But God put you before them, and you got a whole bunch of extra clothes and coats in that closet. Um, God does provide through us. Now that doesn't mean that we are always to be the giver. You know, look at the prodigal son. What if somebody would have came and brought him a three-course meal every day, you know, eight-course dinner three times a day? He'd have stayed in that pig pen thinking, well, this must be right because God's providing for me. But this is where it comes down to it, where it boils down to love, is we have to choose to be led because God will say, do not give to them. And it is out of his love for them that he is saying, don't. Because he knows at home there's a ditty with arms wide open saying, son, I've been waiting for you. I have your room prepared. I have your robe. I have your ring. I have a meal prepared for you. I'm going to kill the fatted calf. And it was out of God's love for him that he said, don't you dare give him one cent. Don't give him a cracker. Don't give him anything because he has everything he needs awaiting him. But then there is that time where God says he needs to know me. He needs to know my love. You be that love in action. And our job is to love God enough, to love his people enough to be led and to hear from him. Luke 638 tells us, Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. What is this verse saying to you? What goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, it's telling us what you give is what you get back. You may give a $1,000, but when you've got a gazillion dollars, I mean, what are you really giving? Or you may give that penny and that be all you have, which is greater. It's not talking about I'm going to give you a penny for a penny. There's love and there's faith in here. That's what is measured more than the amount of the coin or the dollar bill. Ephesians 1 7. And in, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And the question for this is Did God give out of his riches or according to his riches? According to now what does it mean Mhm Yeah Rachel said, His grace is so abundant that it can't help but cover things and provide for things. And that's yeah, you know, that's true. He gave according to his riches, not out of it. He's not lacking one thing. You know, he gave us everything to redeem us. He gave us a son. hmm And Proverbs 19, 17. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord. And he will repay him for his good deed. When you give to the poor, what are you doing? Given to God. Will he pay you back? Yep. He says he will. And God's not a man that he should lie. And then last one, Psalm 41, 1 through 3. Says, How blessed is he who considers the helpless? The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive, and he shall be called blessed upon the earth. And do not give him over the desires of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to health. And the question is, name five things that God does for those who give to the poor. says he rescues them in times of trouble. He protects them. He gives them prosperity. He rescues them from enemies. He heals them. It's not a small thing when we walk in the love of God. When we choose each day to be his hands and his feet. Are we blessing others? Absolutely. Are we blessing ourselves? Absolutely. You know, there was, a, um, there was an episode of Friends. I used to watch Friends all the time. There was an episode of Friends, and Phoebe did something good. And when she did it, she got this reward back. And so her and Joey were talking, and he's like, you can't do anything without getting something good. You know, there's, it's selfish to do something good because you're always going to get something good back. So she was determined to do something good and not get a return. And she couldn't do it. And it was so funny because, I mean, it's a worldly show and there, you know, there are parts of the show that are just not good. But you sit there and you watch that show and it's a spiritual principle. And even in their worldliness, they don't even get it. But it's so God. You absolutely cannot give without receiving. You cannot choose to do something good, to give in love without receiving love back. It's a beautiful cycle, and it does seem selfish at times. But that's the great thing. God loves you so much that he has set you up for success. He said, look, so in love, I guarantee you, I can give you more back than what you gave out. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. And, Lord, we thank you that you have set us up to receive your blessings in abundance. We thank you, Lord, that we can give out of our overflow. And even if that overflow is as small as a piece of gum or a button on our shirt, Lord, we give because we trust you, because we know that you are our source. We give in faith. We give in love, knowing that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing, knowing that our seed will produce good fruit, knowing that we will have a harvest that will cause us to be a blessing to others, that will cause us to be blessed day after day, that will keep us in the overflow so that we can be your hands and feet. And we praise you for that, Lord. So, Father, help us to have the wisdom that we need to see what our seeds should be. Help us to know what you want us to sow in our offering. Help us to know when we are on the streets where we should sow, where we should give, where we should love on people, with our actions or where we should love on them enough to just pray for them but lord we thank you for your wisdom in all things we thank you that your hand is upon our lives your hand is upon our finances and we are blessed to be a blessing and we praise you for it lord in jesus name amen